Have you ever felt in your life how you were just stuck in a rut? Well, join us today with my good friend, Jerry Dugan. He shares his inspiring story, how to go beyond that rut and how to have it with virtue and valor. And along the way, when you're constantly smiling and connecting, that is what becomes your superpower. So stay tuned to this inspiring journey. You won't want to miss it. Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming trauma into treasure. Check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website at shaysparks.com. And I invite you to connect with me on all the social media links that are there, like Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and even YouTube. And today, our guest is the incredible Jerry Dugan. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Thank you, Shay. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah. My family just got uh, three new kittens. We did have a cat that passed away a few months ago and we just adopted three new kittens and they are so stinking adorable. Now I'm living in Dallas right now for a few more months before my wife moves up here. I almost took all the kittens with me. But <laughs> they caught me. So. And how many is there? You said multiple. Three. three. Oh uh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So two of them were for my wife and I, for Liv and I. And uh, one of them, my daughter is going to take to college with her as an emotional support pet, support animal. So whatever they call it. So yeah. she'll have a cat. And we wanted all three of them socialized together because we weren't sure which one she would take. One of the twins or Leo, who came from another litter. Uh, we're all fighting over Leo. He's a, He's the older of the three. And he's so adorable. He's like gentle. And well, they're all gentle because they're all little. But yeah, there's one that is quirky like she is, which is quirky like me. And that's Bradley. He's like the smallest one that picks on everybody. Um, and then just easily distracted, like, oh, squirrel. Yeah. Oh, how funny. Yeah. Everything's a tree to him, to Bradley. But anyway, yeah, so that that's how I am. Uh, lots, lots of cuteness all this past weekend. Yeah, I can't wait to get those kittens and my wife up here to Dallas. Nice, nice, nice. And uh, those might be emotional support for you as well, not just your yes. daughter. Yeah. Yeah, because after she graduates in a couple of weeks from high school, yeah, Liv and I are officially empty nesters. Wow. So, that Yeah, you guys might need that. Yeah. <laughs> they grew up so darn quickly. You know, we always mm-hmm. heard people say, you know, cherish them. They'll grow up quickly. And we're always like, yeah, yeah, whatever. What do you know? And right. now it's here. We're like, that did happen too darn quickly. And we're not telling those folks they were right. 
So, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't believe it's been almost two years since we've met Jerry at Podcast Movement. Oh, Can yeah. you believe that? <laughs> 2019. I know that the pandemic has a weird way of like making a long span of time go by just instantly. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm looking for, I'm going to Nashville for the 2021 podcast movement. I'm looking forward to that one. Are you, are you heading that way as well? Absolutely. Or? I will be there. Nice. Uh, I'm going to bring all my microphones and everything like, like last time. Perfect. Well, we'll have to meet in the hallway once again. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Jerry Dugan is the producer and host of Beyond the Rut podcast, a show that discusses getting unstuck in the areas of faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility to inspire and equip listeners to pursue the life they've always dreamed of living beyond the rut. Jerry's early life included experiencing divorce as a child while growing up witnessing his father's attempts at suicide and being bullied at his with by his own extended family. He received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior at the age of 27 when he returned from Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2003 and then he left the army. Jerry credits God with his res, with the resiliency and positive outlook he has on life. He has he was there for me before I ever realized I needed him is Jerry's motto. At the core of Jerry's heart is to help people live authentic lives that leave a positive legacy with their families and within their communities, which is why he has worked as a community educator for a battered women's shelter, served in church men's ministries, and worked for nonprofit health systems as a learning and development consultant. My goodness, Jerry. You have done so much, and I am so excited that you are now the official host, the only host now of the On The Rut podcast, and I'm just so excited to see where you take it. Awesome. Thank you. It's an exciting time for Beyond The Rut, that's for sure. Well, for me, because I'm the last one standing on the team. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's weird hearing your bio read out loud. By somebody else it's like wow who is that guy that guy's done wait oh oh that's me right oh wow i'm not that cool i i can't be that cool there's i'm still blown away by that uh, well you that, are that cool yeah, you. oh you nice. are that cool yeah. uh, <laughs> yes you are and i love what you're doing with all the the things with the leaving a positive legacy you know, by educating in the battered women's shelter and the church ministry and their nonprofit, the health systems for the nonprofit health system. I always like to start off with my first question of what does investing in people mean to you? Mm. Um, gosh, a couple of avenues I take with it, but I think the most clear cut one is the one I adopted from when I was in the army as a sergeant. And that is being able to be replaced. So mm. investing in others in a way that, I can step away as the leader and everybody else I was leading can now lead themselves. They can Mm -hmm. take on the mission without a lot of input from me. And when I do that, a couple of things happen. One, I can take a break. (laughs) I can take a vacation. I can go on a trip with my wife. I can go on a backpacking trip that nobody ever wants to go with me on. Although I think Joe Bogdan said he'd go on a trip with me. I think he's been on the show before. Oh yeah. And yeah. So that's one thing that can happen. I, as the leader can take a break when I'm investing in other people, I can move up. 
because I've built other people up so that any one of them can replace me. And that's kind of the morbid army approach to leadership is that, Sergeant Dugan, you're going to get killed in this thing. So mm. uh, I need all your soldiers to be able to step up at any given point, and it'll be based on who's left. But they all need to be able to take your place. I'm like, mm. oh, okay. And you suck as a leader if you die and they can't fill in for you. And so that's mm. a measure of your success as a leader. And you're like, oh, wait, let's go back to this part where I die. Like, can we do the part where I don't? And they're like, no, just pretend you might and uh, approach your leadership style that way. And mm. so there's, there's that. So the benefit for me is I can take a break. I am now open and available for moving up or over in whatever leadership structure I'm pursuing. But then also the benefit for my team is that any one of them or all of them can now move up in their career as well. So that's from a leadership I guess, work perspective, investing in others, what that means to me. But then on a personal level, investing in others, you know, living a life where I'm striving to be better than I was yesterday and striving to be a good husband to my wife, good father to my children. You know, I'm I'm investing in my children for the next generation so that when they get up to my age, yeah, they probably still won't have it all together, but they'll at least have learned from my experience. They'll have an example to fall on to either follow or say, hey, I remember my dad did that and it didn't work. So we're going to go this way. Or, hey, I remember my dad always did this and now it makes sense. I'm going to follow that. So there's that, you know, just spending time with those kids mm-hmm. and, and having that connection with them. And, you know, that, that I think is what really leaves a legacy, you know, just pouring into your own kids. And if you don't have kids, pouring into other people's kids. You know, being an example, like a father figure or a mother figure or just somebody a younger generation can look up to and respect and say, that's the kind of person I want to become when I grow up. That that impacts generations beyond our own. Mm. Well, I believe I will just go ahead and nominate that you and Joe uh, Bogdan do a camping trip and you record it the entire way oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> and you vlog it because that would be just fun to watch. So yes. oh, <laughs> I oh, love gosh. it. Do a backpacking you know, Joe, trip. Yeah. Joe would make me run the thing. <laughs> Very yeah. true. With weights. <laughs> With, with the weights, yeah, yes. with the with the back yeah. on, exactly. And, and read four books before we finish. <laughs> right, the, and the yes, trail. absolutely. And then you have a book study at the end. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, Joe, a book report. You have to have a book yes. report. We we love Joe Bogdan. He's such a <laughs> he's such a an amazing soul. And then he was a guest on our show as well as yours as well. Yeah. So good people. Yeah. Good people know good people, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of the neat thing that I knew those guys from Scott and the connection that Scott and I had in Corpus Christi. Okay. And then of course I met you through podcast movement. And then like a year later, I see that you guys are guesting on each other's shows. I'm like, how'd y'all meet each other? And, and it was just like the power of networking. You, you guys were just hitting the ground and meeting people and you, you saw an opportunity to be on each other's shows and you were, I'm like, that is so cool. And then I felt bad because I did introduce y'all. Like I've known you both and I know the platforms that you have. And it just made sense that you were on each other's shows. And I thought, wow, I'm a horrible friend. I did not introduce them. But yeah, it's, it's just really neat to see that, that circle form, you know? And and then you've gotten some, some doors opening from just knowing some Air Force guys and being able to do leadership and, uh, yeah, leadership skills to Air Force guys, you know, and and gals. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's pretty amazing. But I will tell you, you indirectly connected us and you may not even know this. So you know how on LinkedIn, when a connection that you know might comment on someone else's post that you don't know. And so you had actually commented on a post that Joe had posted about uh, the brain and neuroplasticity. Yeah. That is, and that was in November of 19. And so that is actually something I'm very passionate about is talking about, you know, how we, when we stretch out of our comfort zones, our neuroplasticity, we, we gain more, we actually gain more, gain more brain waves, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And so you had commented and I, was com- I think I commented and you were like I don't know I didn't write write this article <laughs> and so I'm like all right well so let me friend Joe and he sent me a message and he was like hey you have a podcast we're thinking about starting a podcast they weren't even started yet they were just oh, thinking yeah. about it and I was like yeah let me know how I can help in any way shape or form and as they say the rest the pandemic happened and the rest is history nice. he's just been an amazing soul. And he's also uh, a co-author in my book, the hashtag oh. Firestarters. So I'm so glad to be connected to him and collaborating with him. Nice. I need to actually read my copy. I've got one on the way. Yay. Yeah. I guess when it arrives, I need to read it. There we go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I have one arriving before it's actually been released. I don't know if you know that. Oh, that'd be why. No, okay, good. I feel better now. why it hasn't, you haven't had it yet. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yay. Yeah. Good. Uh, I need to pay attention to these things better. <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about leaving a legacy for your kids and really leading by example. So was there someone in your life? I know you taught, we, in the bio, we talked about you going through an, a, a, well, you didn't go through a divorce. Your, your parents went through a divorce. So was there someone in your life that really led by example that you were like, you know, I really think I want to emulate that person. To be able to put it on one person, I I don't know if I can actually say, yeah, there was this one person. It was elements from different people all kind of coming together. And so, yeah, when my parents divorced, the, that was like the thing. Like everybody in my family was seemingly going through a divorce. Uh, actually, mm. it was just three uncles. But it was all at the same time. They were not handling it well. And so I got to see the kind of the dark side of where man can go. And yeah. Not just man, but women as well. Mm-hmm. Um now, was this but, at the same time your parents were getting a divorce? Yeah. Yeah. So it was wow. like my dad and two uncles all wow. going through a divorce at the same time. And it just, it took a toll on their kids, including, you know, my brother and I. And it, it just, it showed me like what it looks like when, you know, families fall apart, when men fall apart. And, you know, we're, these are men we look up to and, you know, they're barely holding on in their own little way. And, mm. you know, it, yeah. So it was just kind of rough to see that. And then I just started to notice that, you know, like, ah, geez, this was middle school. So it wasn't really until like high school. I noticed like my physics teacher, Mr. Jones, just really big on encouraging teenager, teenagers to kind of explore the world around them, you know, mm. and, you know, be curious and learn and treat people with respect. Like he had three rules, treat everybody with respect because mm-hmm. you don't know their whole story. Always be learning. Mm-hmm. And third rule was like, don't forget the first two rules. And you're like, huh, cool. Nice. So it's like, be, be respectful to each other and always learn. And he lived, he lived it. He talked it. You know, he just somebody who came up through uh, poverty as well, joined the military. I think he was the GI Bill to go to grad school and 
decided that he wanted to actually take his girlfriend out on dates that included more than just uh, what he called pine tree floats which were a glass of water with a toothpick in it. <laughs> and, uh, so he needed extra cash and he decided to enter in a math contest. Like, uh, Hey, if you design this, you could win 50 bucks. And he's like, Hey, you can buy some dinners with 50 bucks. So he entered in the math contest. Turns out he won. Not only did he win the math contest, he designed like a solution on how to, to, to build your satellite dishes for the military. So his professor wow. who could have just, Paid the 50 bucks, taken the idea, patented it, and become rich. Turned to the student, Mr. Jones, who to me is Mr. Jones, and said, hey, you need to patent this. And so he does, builds a whole company off of it, and he is selling satellite dishes to the government. And stinking rich. And here's this guy in a blue-collar high school teaching high school physics and calculus to a group of kids who probably wouldn't care, could not care less. And he's like just inspiring them. And, mm. and he tells his story and you're like, so what are you doing here? He goes, I'm here because our country needs to do better in math and science. And even though I live in Carmel, those kids don't care. They have everything they want. But then I look here and there are students who aspire to improve and get out of the rut they see them going on. And I figure I'll just come here. And he's like, I don't need the paycheck. In fact, our high school, my senior year, did some pay cuts and like laid off teachers. He's like, I don't need the paycheck. Mm-hmm. I just want to be here to pour into students. So his stories, you know, some of his assignments were just not your typical physics assignments. Like, we're going to visit UC Berkeley and you're going to write a report on what you saw. And you're like, what? And the idea was, I'm going to open your horizon up to a university out there just mm-hmm. to give you an idea what this look like. And in two months, we're going to go to UC Santa Cruz and we're going to just open up your eyes to what's out there. We're going to go check out the community college and see what's there. And this is at a high school where the counselors are, the career counselors are saying, hey, don't don't think about college. 85% of the people who graduate don't even use their degree. You're just wasting your money. What you need to do is get a regional occupational program certificate in how to work in hospitality. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Uh, you learn to fold towels, do laundry, and uh, maybe be a bellhop. And you're like, so you don't want me to use my mind and help others and make the world a better place? Nah, you're not going to make money in that. You can go to college and make the same amount of money this bellhop will. And you're like, wow, it just sounds discouraging. And, wow, yeah. And so, yeah, here's this counterbalance of saying, no, you, you got something in your heart to go out and do and change the world and make it a better place. Don't shut your brain down. Always learn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't close yourself off. If you got the possibility to go to college, even if you don't do what your degree says you're qualified to do and you wind up doing something else, that experience is going to open up some doors for you. It's going to open up your horizon to a whole new world. Go at least for that. And you're like, huh? So yeah, I went to college off of that guy's inspiration. A couple I came across, the Ellsburys, they were the foster parents to a girlfriend of mine my senior year. They've been married, I think, 20 five, 30 years and just seeing their interaction with each other was genuine. It was warm. And, you know, this is a kid who grew up seeing divorce since 11 years old, right. thinking, you know, the, the purpose of marriage is to get divorced. And here I see this couple that they love each other so much that they raised three kids of their own who are now adults and now they're fostering children mm. just because, and it's to get them out of the rough life that they're in and just expose them again to a whole new horizon of what's out there. And show them what a loving family looks like. And I thought, I've only known them for like two months and never seen them again. And I thought, wow, 
just that glimpse showed me what's possible. And so that really helped form a sense of, I guess, who I'm going to be. Plus, you know, I, I was determined at a young age. Mm-hmm. I need to change the trajectory of this family. This, the Dugans are known by the police on a first name basis because we keep getting arrested. We walk into stores and security follows us. That, that needs to change. Mm-hmm. And, but I didn't know how or why. And just having exposure to like a Mr. Jones and the Ellsberries just really opened my eyes up to what could be. And so. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm just curious, Jerry, were you the troublemaker or was that everyone else in the family? I, I think I was in my own way. So when it came to like school, like I went to class, I got my homework done. I was the guy that most kids wanted to copy their homework off of, <laughs> but then you hated me because I wouldn't let you copy. I was like, if I let you see my homework, you're not going to learn yourself and you're not really going to be able to succeed outside of school. Or oh, why are you all uppity? It's like... <laughs> I'm sorry. So I was like that nerdy kid that you didn't like because, you know, if the class needed to be graded on a curve, but then you had that one guy who got a 99 or 98 or 100. That I was, was you. <laughs> that was me. I, I set the curve and screwed it up for everybody. But, you know, I would tutor people. I just wouldn't let you copy off my homework. Ah. Um, but I was probably a troublemaker in other ways. Like I, I did get bullied by my own extended family. But part of that also was I, I didn't want to conform to them. So I, I would read books in front of them. I would, you know, talk about things that I knew were over their head. You know, they would, they would pick on me and rather than say, Oh, ha ha ha. And let them get away with it. I'd be like, yeah, (sighs) you know, I'm, I'm going to graduate high school. What are your plans? Mm. I I would say just some mean stuff at 13, 14 year old. Yeah. Granted, it would just be biting back and like, you know, you're, you're on that path to be a teen mom. That's awesome. You know, but you know, I wouldn't say it today. Because I know better and I know the struggle that it is for a teen mom. So it, again, that's from the eyes of a 13 year old who's getting bullied by his cousins. Right. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'd be preemptive and, you know, say an insult first, but, but mainly if I was ever a troublemaker, it'd be among my own, my own family. Thank you for sharing that. And what I'm really hearing is the courage that you had to stand in your authentic self and be you. So, wow. And I just see how you've continued to carry that courage with you as an adult. Yeah. I I think since maybe, yeah, at a young age, if I didn't get to be me, I felt dead. Mm-hmm. And that to this day, I still hold on to, even when I was in the army, I, I was still me. So I would get in trouble in the army for smiling too much. <laughs> Sergeant Dugan, knock the smile off your face. I'm trying, Sergeant. I, I'm just a happy guy. <laughs> like, well, people can't take you seriously. Well, I'm the medic. Well, are you talking back to me? No, Sergeant. Yes, I am actually. And then push-ups it is, but usually not in front of other soldiers. But anyway, uh, yeah, even in the Army, I was still myself. When I choose a job, uh, a career, I, I'm interviewing the workplace that is potentially going to hire me. And if I feel like we can connect and I can be me for the next decade then that's a place where I want to work. So I've never taken a job just because it had a paycheck. It, it just, you know, I would actually say no or, hey, you know, maybe this isn't going to work out and go our separate ways. And that would surprise folks. Like, well, don't you need work? Well, yes, I do. But I can already tell we're not going to get along. I, you know, the personalities just don't jive. And, you know, you can just tell. And for me, it's, you know, humor you know, good, 
lightheartedness. And so I'll, I'll joke in a job interview and I don't, I don't interview very often, but yeah, if I can tell a joke and everybody laughs and I feel like it's a genuine laugh, then I'm like, Hey, maybe there's hope for me here after all. Uh, <laughs> and if they don't laugh, you're like, that's it. It's not for me. Yeah. Like <laughs> either I was not as funny as I thought I was, or they're very serious. And you, you can almost tell when people put up a, a front or a, a facade and I, I could see through it if I'm doing a job interview or even if like somebody's doing a sales pitch and they try to be all buddy, buddy with me, I, I can tell if they generally want to know who I am versus uh, they're just throwing keywords at me, hoping that I'll be like, Oh yeah, that's cool. So what I'm really, what I'm hearing in your, your stories is all about how you connect you're just always just on the lookout, even doing a smile. You're on the lookout to connect with another human being. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we weren't really made to be solos or uh, right. in silos or lone wolves. Like, I mean, there are some folks who are more introverted than others, and they, they recharge by being alone. But even those who are introverted need to be around people. And it's just, ah, oh, man, it was, gosh, there was an uncle of mine who had passed away and I, I, I thought it was a pretty cool uncle, but I didn't realize that he had estranged a lot of people in, mm. in the time that from when I was a kid till when he passed away when I was a young, like 21, 22 year old adult. Mm-hmm. Like I hadn't even been invited to his funeral. Like, like he had died and he was buried and it just came up casually in conversation. Like, Oh yeah, uncle Gene's dead. Wait, what? Wow. <laughs> uh, why was I not told and invited to the wedding? Well, we figured you were busy at school and, you know, nobody really went. It was just sort of like a, you know, like, you know, grandpa went and so-and-so went. He he was married into the family, so he wasn't mm-hmm. like a blood relation. But I just thought, well, that's sad. Like, he's Uncle Gene. Like, I'd known that guy since I was like seven years old. Uh, you know, he's not the favorite uncle, but, you know, he didn't pick on me. He, you know, giving stuff away. He's, you know, one of the one of the better ones, I thought. Hmm. Turns out he had another family before he had married my Aunt Mary, and hmm. uh, he didn't have a relationship with any of those kids. Like, I, I finally realized how dysfunctional he really wow. was. And so here's a guy that I looked up to, but turns out he didn't have any connections with his previous family, hmm. with his ex-wife, with his current in-laws. He basically died alone, and here I am in his home helping clean. I think that's how I found out that he died, was, hey, we need your help to to clean out Uncle Gene's house. What about Uncle Gene? Right. He'll be there. Oh, no. He he passed away a couple months ago. And so we were like wow. cleaning his stuff out of his house because it was going into probate and being split up among his survivors. And, you know, like none of his kids showed up except like one just to see closure. She didn't want any of his stuff. Didn't want any of the money when it was divided. Wow. She just wanted to make sure he was really dead. And I thought, wow, that that just broke my heart. I was, again, 22 years old. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, wow, that is... That is heartbreaking to, mm-hmm. to live a life in such a way that nobody wanted to come to your funeral and people just swoop in and just divide your stuff up afterwards. And um, like, that's mm-hmm. not how I want to live. And so, yeah, connections for me are important. And my wife sometimes will give me a hard time that I'll give people second, third and fourth chances who've burned me. It's like, well, because in the end, when I die, I don't care about you know, I was right about this argument or, you know, I was right about this promotion or I'm glad I got that project done. I'm really just going to care about who's around my side when it's time for me to go. And, mm. you know, can I get one more second with them? 
you know, whether it's my kids, grandkids I don't have yet, my own wife, you know, aunts, uncles, whoever's still around, if they still want to come in and visit me and be a part of my life when it's time to go, then I think I've lived a good life. And and somebody asked me on another show, like, how will you know that, you know, what will success look like for you? And it was the first time somebody asked me the question that way. And my answer just came out of my mouth. It's like, I'll never see that success. I'll, I'll be dead. And so that measure of success is who comes to my funeral? Mm. who comes to pay their respects to my family, among my friends. You know, I don't care if they come to pay their respects to me. It's really like, who's going to be there for my family? Who's going to be connected with us to know that, yeah, I'm gone and my family needs that help and that connection. And, you know, who's going to remember the impact that I had with them? And of course, the ones who've gone to heaven ahead of me, I'll see them. So I'd be like, hey, guys, what's up? (laughs) Remember me? Yeah, I remember you died first. No, I'm not going to say that in heaven. <laughs> it's not going to matter up there. So, uh, uh, well, I hope it doesn't matter up there, right? I know. It, well, it probably should. I don't know. I guess we'll find out when we get up there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, connection, connection means a lot to me. You know, life purpose to me is more than just like a job title or how much money I make. You know, even the current job I have now, I, when I interviewed for it, my wife had asked me, what, what if you don't get the job? I was like, well, I already have a job I love. So I'm not defined by this. If I get this job, great. Mm. If I don't get the job, I still do what I'm doing. Neither of those jobs define who I am. You know, it, it's, a, it's just work I feel like I'm doing to make an impact on others. So. Mm. So a lot of, you just hit on something that I just, I got, I got to pick up. So a lot of our listeners are maybe going through some sort of transition, whether it's maybe from the military to civilian life, or they've been let go of their job, or they got a divorce, or maybe it's that they are now shifting from being an employee to starting their own business. Mm-hmm. So how did you get to understand that your job title does not define you? Oh man, I got fired when, uh, I was doing really good and I was on this upward trajectory in a corporate world and it was about 2006, had a new boss come in. She, not to talk badly about her, even though I'd really love to, it, it just wasn't a good fit. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to say she wasn't a good fit for the organization. The organization <laughs> will probably agree with me. Uh, in fact, the organization knows her as the crazy lady and that's mm. not that's not a nickname I gave her because I kept it as cordial as I could when I was let go. But yeah, I was on an upward trajectory to not just work in that regional area, but I was being looked at as somebody they could pull up into the corporate office. And here's a rising star, star in the organization. And all because of one person, it was taken away. And, you know, it, I could have been bitter about that. And, you know, because it, it, it was unfair, you know, like I was doing great and she took it. She basically pulled me in her office, had like four really trumped up charges about how horrible I am as an employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were all really things that she had done, but I was the fall guy. Wow. And, um, kind of a crazy thing. I was, I was a relatively new Christian. I think I received Jesus like in 2004, 2005 as my savior. And this is happening in 2006. And I was already struggling in my heart. Like, okay, I see the writing on the wall. I see her coming after me because she's already taken out three or four other people. Liv, I feel like I need to go into sales. What do you think? Do I just look for another job? Do I go into sales? And she just said, I think you need to pray about it. Mm. Like, pray about it. Actually, 
I probably should. Our pastor just said. <laughs> and so it was one of those moments. She was wise. And uh, I, I, one of those rare moments I listened to her and she was right. So I prayed about it. And I'm like, God, let me know when it is. How did I put it? It was like three things in sequence. Let me know where I'm supposed to go. Let me know when it's time to go. And then give me the courage to go. Mm. That, that was the sequence. I didn't know that in 24 hours she was going to deliver. So it was less than that because this was a, a prayer I did at night with my wife after dinner. So it's like seven or eight o'clock at night. And now at 1 p.m. the next day, I'm called into my boss's office and she's telling me how horrible I am that, you know, while you were out because your back was hurt, this was a problem. This was a problem. This was a problem. And we're, we're pulling together a team of go getters and get them done type of folks. And you're not it. I thought, wow, that is so not true. But, oh man, this is so funny. I'm going to go to HR. I'm going to have my job and this is just going to be so awkward. And I'm thinking this in my head. And while I'm thinking this, like how fun it's going to be to go to HR and really have my job secured for the next few years. I heard my prayer back at me, but mm-hmm. now the steps were reversed. So instead of tell me where I'm going, let me know when it's time to go, give me the courage. It was flipped. You now have the courage to go. Mm-hmm. Now's the time. I'll tell you when you take that first step. Mm. Like, wait, that's not how I said it. You know, like I'm having this, <laughs> like my boss is telling me how horrible I am and that she's letting me go, but we're doing it as this mutual parting of ways. And, and I, I'm really not, I'm hearing her, but I'm not giving her my full undivided attention because there's this conversation going on with God. I'm like, wait, are you, are you sure? Cause I'm pretty sure I said it differently. And he's like, yeah, I'm sure it, you have the courage is now you, you, blood's boiling. You're pretty mad. You've got the courage. Now's the time. Take her up on her offer. Mm. And you'll know which way to go once you take that step. And so I looked her back in the eye, my boss. So I'm now re-engaged in the conversation. I just said, yeah. all right. So do I sign now and like empty my office or, and that's when she said, no, you know, we'll give it 30 days and you'll train up the person who's going to fill in for you and you'll, spend four days at the office, four days looking for a new job. So what I didn't know was that she had screwed up the first three or four people she fired. She wasn't supposed to fire me. So this oh. had to, this had to go down as I resigned and I'm moving on to better things. Ah. Very important. To, I didn't know this, but it was very important to her. That's how it was portrayed. And so a couple other things fell into place. But the, the, the thing for the question that you asked, though, is how did I realize that job titles didn't matter was around that time. Because it didn't matter that I was on this upward trajectory for a job title or prestige in the office because just in a moment it was gone. Yeah. What did matter to me was uh, I was true to who I am. I was obedient to God who was prompting my heart. Hmm. And uh, yeah, so that that started a five-year journey that uh, I'm sure my wife would say if we got faced with that again, we'd do it a little differently. Because it it did put us on a financial roller coaster ride that she would love to have never experienced, but it grew our faith more so than anything else would. We didn't know this, but our marriage became a testimony for other people to look up and see. Mm. And we were inspiring other couples, and we didn't realize it. How we were raising our kids was being noticed, and we were just doing what we were doing to make sure our kids felt safe. That you know what little we had, we were still providing for them. And then no matter what, we were sticking together. And yeah, so from 06 till 2011, I went into real estate. I started off good, but God, you know, his plan was not for me to become a realtor. It was just to learn some stuff in the process. So it was mm-hmm. like he indulged me in my prayer to go into sales. But he's like, that's not really what I want you to do, though. So I'm going to dry that up, uh, which forced me to get my master's degree because I had the GI Bill. 
I wasn't using it. So there was a resource there and tapped into that and just realized because I finally listened to my wife again. And it was, I, I was gifted in teaching others and helping people take complex concepts and simplify it so they can execute it themselves and be better at it than I ever could be. So yeah, got my master's in instructional design, educational technology. And around that time I was at women's shelter of South Texas as a community educator. I was a volunteer at a men's ministry. So like all these things were coming together. And so none of them depended on a job title. None of them depended on prestige. So I had enough money to care for my family. Just enough. It wasn't enough to say, yeah, we're great. We made it. It was like, Bills get paid. We have food with our meals and we have a roof over our head. That is good. And that is, that's all we needed. And uh, and we were given off of what we earned. So building that as part of our lifestyle, we were serving in our church. And then here I am by day, Monday through Thursday, eight to six, just teaching in the community, being a positive role model for, for young kids, for adults and applying what I learned as an instructional designer to that work. And yeah, new job came along. It doubled our income, still volunteered. And now I'm in this job, which doing the math, almost another doubling. So, mm-hmm. and, and again, I don't care about the title. So there, there are times where people are asking like, Hey, you worked on this project. Why did you hand it off to so-and-so to present it and let them shine? I'm like, well, one, cause that person helped me Two, It's going to propel that person's career three. I'm here for them. So if something goes wrong, like everybody knows I had a hand in that. Everybody knows who to turn to, but this isn't about my own glory. So yeah, if I got an opportunity to lift that person up in the spotlight and help propel their career, great. That's fine. Now I'll, I'll take the spotlight when the time's right and when it's important for me to do so. But like, I don't have to like have my name on everything I work on and, and I still get a lot of great work done. So that's, there's plenty of work to be done. <laughs> There's plenty of stuff out there to put your name to. You don't have to put your name on all of it. So, yeah. So, just, yeah, the title doesn't matter to me. Is the work meaningful? Is it aligned with who I am? And is it making the difference that is on my heart to, to go and make a difference in? Mm, I love that. And I love how you are leading by example in all aspects of your life, whether you're a parent or it's your job or your your marriage. That's just such a beautiful gift that you're giving to this world. I'm curious. So you'd mentioned it earlier um, beyond the rut. You kind of slid that in there. I don't know if you did that on purpose or if that was just your natural lingo. <clears throat> so as right you it's my natural lingo. <laughs> yeah. By, yeah, exactly. Now it is. So I, I'm just curious, you know, we, you have this amazing podcast and, you know, as you were telling the story about, talking about your own family and how, and your teachers and how statistically you could possibly be, end up exactly what they told you you could do. But instead you had this one teacher, a mentor who took you beyond the rut of our own mindset. Mm -hmm. Right. And you saw, gave you an opportunity to see something different. So, was that how you came up with the name? Is that why you created the podcast? I know when we, when I was on the show, you had another co-host and I believe you've, you've had a, a didn't you have a podcast before beyond the rep? I did. Yes. Okay. Uh, so my, my first podcast was called family time Q and a podcast. And the whole design behind that or the desire behind that was to showcase authentic vulnerability 
and humility as a father. And mm-hmm. you know, this is growing up, in, you know, not even growing up in the church because I was a new Christian, but I was following Christian family shows, podcasts, and a few of them, you know, they interact with their wives. You know, the, the hosts were typically men, and they would interact with their wives, and you could tell that was kind of like it was reserved. Like mm. It wasn't. It was either too reserved or too raw. And where's that happy middle ground? That's your daily. This is how you really interact with each other. And then on occasion, these shows would have their kids on, and you could tell these kids were getting coached like crazy. It was just like wow. the way the question was pitched, and then like the parent is feeding the answer to the child. Mm. And then it's it's really the parent saying it, but getting the child's voice on it. And I thought that that isn't the child really answering. And what if you had a show where the host was dumb enough or smart enough or brave enough, but ultimately dumb enough to have it no holds barred, whatever is recorded, that has to go live. So it was unscripted, unedited, the real Jerry Dugan. So it, it kind of played off a theme there, the real Jerry Dugan.com. And so I thought it'd be a father son thing. My son can ask me a question. I would pass on some, you know, Jerry knowledge to him and, I pitched to my 11-year-old boy at the time, and he, he, he didn't say no to me. He turned to my wife and asked if he had to. It's <laughs> like, son, I thought we were, I thought we were like dad-son bros or something. Like, I, like, we play video games together. He was like, I just don't want to be on a podcast, Dad. I don't even – I think that's where old people. I was like, oops. Get out. <laughs> Give me your Xbox. <laughs> I'm like, no, you can't take his Xbox from him. I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, you can stay where you are. But then my daughter swooped in and she saved the day. And she was like, I heard your pitch, dad. And she's nine. And she's like, this is what I think we should do. She wanted to start her own YouTube channel. Uh-huh. And we said no, because we didn't want her video all over the place uh, for creepy dudes to reach out to her. Right. Somehow we thought audio only was safer. <laughs> well, maybe we're not the greatest parents in the world <laughs> when it comes to safety. But anyway, my daughter swoops in. She says, all right, it can be a father-daughter show. I'm like, but it's a father-son. Wait, yeah, it could be a father-daughter show. Yeah, let's do this. And so the idea was she would ask me a question. I had no idea what the question is. And then I'd answer honestly and off the cuff. And then she said, great. So she asked me a question. She said, you know, I think we should flip it. You ask me a question. I'm not ready for it. I'm like, Okay. Did not know I was going to walk into my own self-prepared trap. And so I asked her, what could I do to be a better father? Uh, Somebody in a men's Bible study group said, ask your family that. My pastor said that. So I blame my pastor for this. So I asked my daughter, what can I do to be a better dad? And she lit me up on a, like, (laughs) talk about testing your dad's integrity. Mm. So she said, you know how you get mad at the video game you play with your son, Jacob, there? I'm like, yeah. She's like, you need to stop doing that. I was like, but, but it, it, yeah, like, you know, I mean, I, I didn't whimper as much, but it, it was on the inside. And I was like, wow, she outed me on the very first episode. And I can't just kill the show after one episode. I go, right. I've got to have the backbone now to one air this because now she's going to pay attention to is my dad really going to walk the talk or is he full mm. of stuff? And so now I was committed. And so I answered her and I humbly took the advice. And, you know, I still think about it to this day. She's 18 now. So mm-hmm. nine years ago, you know, she called me out on the very first episode of Family Time Q&A. And it's still in my head to this day. And, uh, man, she's uh, 
she's a smart little girl. <laughs> yes. I'm not just saying that because she's my mini me, but yeah, just to hear it from a nine year old, it, it was such an eye opener. And she inspired the rest of the family to do a rotation. So then like the next episode was my wife. And then the next one after that was my son. And we did that for 86 episodes. Wow. Along comes Brandon. He wants to start a podcast because he feels like he's in a rut, but also as an associate pastor, he had a lot of men coming up to him asking the same questions over and over. How do I re-engage my, my relationship with my wife? How do I get my kids to pay attention to me? How do I help give advice to my kids that they'll actually listen to? How do I get promoted at work? All these questions coming up over and over and over again. So Brandon said, I want to start a podcast that records this, shares this with these men and whoever else is out there with the same questions. I don't know how to podcast. Ah, Jerry does. He's got a show he keeps telling me to listen to. And so he he was listening to the show. And so he reached out to me, offered lunch. And then he was like, but we got to write blog posts too. Ah, Sean, he's a great writer. We'll get him to come on board. So there's three of us having lunch on Brandon's dime. And he pitches the idea of a podcast and a blog to us. And we're on board. Mm-hmm. And from there, we start shaping, well, who's our audience and who are we really trying to reach? Let's define that. You know, what's, what's the purpose really going to be? And it, it aligned with who I am and what I feel my purpose is to inspire men to, to live their best life now. Cause they only got this life mm-hmm. to work with. There's, there's no rewind button. There's no redo. It's this one. So you, you start now. And so this show coming together was about that mm-hmm. for me. And the, the title Beyond the Rut came as a result of months of arguing. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, we had some cheesy titles that I don't even remember anymore, but we did know that the show was at least about helping men feel unstuck and get unstuck from these traps they feel trapped in. And so we kicked around some ideas and it wasn't just about getting unstuck, but staying unstuck. Mm, yeah. So that's, so there's this rut we feel we're stuck in. We want to help you get out of it, but we want you to live beyond that. And so when we, I guess, kick those words around. We're like beyond the rut, you know? So the show's about living beyond that rut. So what does life look like past getting out of this current struggle? And so, yeah, we have tools like measure it to make it, to help you plan. What does that life look like? By the time you die, what do you want life to look like? You know, what is that ideal life? And then working backwards to now, and then what's the step you take now to start veering off, making that own, your own path out of that rut and staying out of that rut. What are the guardrails you put in place so that when you see new ruts forming, you get out of them? And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how the show was born. And it, it took nine months, though, for us to finally launch. So there was, we, we kind of got our own imposter syndrome going on at the time. Mm. So we, we just decided, well, Brandon and I kind of decided we got a soft launch. You know, Sean wants it perfect. Brandon says, just throw stuff out there. And I was somewhere in the middle. I was like, well, let's do a soft launch. I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. Uh, and the intent is we're never going to pull this thing back. So once we soft launch, it's really the launch. And we'll just start adjusting as we go. And it, it followed the idea of like done is better than perfect. Yes. And we rarely go back to episodes one through 16. We're just like, mm, we'll pass that. <laughs> but there's some good content there. It's just you know, the, the quality is way different. The, the conversation style is way different. We really hadn't come into our own as a show until maybe three years ago. So yeah, that's beyond the rut. And we've got our defined target audience as that 40 year old man who's married with two children, lives in a nice two story house, three bedrooms, two baths, two car garage, has a great corporate job, great benefits, 
yet when you get past that surface level, it looks like he's got it all together. He really feels hollow. He feels stuck, yeah. trapped, and uh, you know, maybe has a commute one hour each way or half an hour each way. But he doesn't love the job. He took the job because it pays well. That's what he was supposed to do. And the reality is he wants to be a writer. He wants to be an artist. He wants to be a public speaker. He wants to maybe have a corporate job, but in a completely different field. But he feels stuck where he is right now. He feels disconnected from his family and wants nothing more than to reconnect with them and and be admired by his children and have a loving relationship with his wife who smiles when he comes to the door. And so that's that's the guy we want to help perform. So that's where those five F's come into play. Faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility. So what's your connection to a higher power? You know, for me, it's God, of course. And, and for the entire team, it was God. But for somebody who isn't a Christian, what is that higher purpose you want to serve? That, how do you want to make the world a better place? That's your faith. You're, you're striving for something you can't see yet. And your family. You know, we talked about connections earlier. No connections are more important than your family. Yeah, mm-hmm. Even the ones that you inherited when you got born. You, know, you didn't ask for them, but yeah. you've got them. Which one of those are worth staying connected with? And uh, and to what degree? Because you know, some family connections are toxic and not safe to be around. But what about the ones that are safe to be around? Let's not squander those opportunities. Fitness, because if you're out of if you're out of good health, let me put it that way. Because you know, <laughs> it's easy to say fitness, but good health. Cause you'd be like fit and do like a thousand pushups or run 40 something miles in one, one go like Joe Bogdan. But if you're not mentally healthy, if you're not emotionally healthy, it, it doesn't matter. So fitness overall, the whole person, uh, are you well finances? You know, just if life is just more stressful when you don't have a plan for your money and you're not telling your money what to do and how to work for you. And you're just kind of reacting to everything around you. So having a control of your finances, knowing where that money's coming in from, where it's going, having kind of an open hand to it. So knowing that I don't have to hold on to it tightly because you can't get more when you got a closed fist, Right. you have it open, but you know what's going in and out of that hand, then it's easier to manage. You, you have like an abundance mindset, like, oh, I can get more because I'm open to earning more. Then I guess you can ultimately spend more. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, and then just future possibility. You know, what is my outlook on what is possible out there? So again, mm-hmm. Mr. Jones opening our eyes up to college possibilities. The Ellsbury's opening my eyes up to family possibilities and, and all the other coaches and mentors and just folks in my life who had elements in their lives going well. That showed me what is possible. So those are the five F's that drive the beyond the red effort. Mm. And now you are the host and producer, and you have such a great platform with your your podcast, but also in all the things that you do by leading by example. So I would would like to know what would be your legacy. What do you want to be remembered for? Mm. Wow. I think a couple of things. One, that there, there's a motto in the Dugan family crest by virtue and valor. And I, I shared it on the Llama Lounge recently. When I discovered that, that that meant a lot to me. It's like, that's that's how I want to live my life, with virtue and with valor. Not And it's part of the name, family crest and all. And I think that's the legacy that I want to be known for. That's That's how I want to be known. This guy set some standards for himself and he walked it. So he, he didn't just talk the talk. He walked it. And when he fell short, because he's not perfect, he was humble enough and courageous enough to say, Hey, I screwed up. 
mm. and and owned it. So that's the valor part. You know, the valor to stand up for what my standards are, but also the valor and the courage to stand up for, hey, I screwed up. I'm, I'm sorry, kids. I'm sorry, my friend, or I'm sorry, my business associates. Because there's strength and humility, I think. So, yeah. Like, the, the folks who know me know me. You know, like, they, you know, what they got in business is also what they would get outside of work. Mm-hmm. I agree. I know. I know you and I agree. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I agree. I have to agree who you are on. Like my, I have a friend, Gary Dumas, who says who I am online is who I am in person. Oh, yeah. So I have to agree. I try to live that way as well. So yeah. absolutely. I think part of it for me is I can't keep track of dual lives. There's, there's right, no way. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, That's too much energy. Yeah. Yes. Um, you get yeah. caught on something and it's like, oh, geez, just easier to be me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that really exactly. did happen. I'm so sorry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about your your podcast and I think you mentioned a website in there somewhere. So could you please tell how people connect connect with you, your social media, LinkedIn, all of the things? Yeah. So our main website is beyondtherut.com. Uh, from our homepage, you'll see links to all the, the different locations where our podcasts can be downloaded. So uh, the big ones, of course, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. We even got ourselves on iHeartRadio and all the little ones. So all the links are there on the main page. Our social media, we're on Twitter, Beyond the Rut. I'm more engaged on Facebook and a little bit more. With, I'm trying this Instagram thing out. So Beyond the Rut for both of those. So on the page as well as on Instagram. And let's see. So those are the three social medias. Uh, I also have an email newsletter that goes out. So you can sign up for that through beyondtherut.com. And we also have a free giveaway called Measure It to Make It. And this is, I think, a seven-page workbook to help you really think through, what do I want my life to be about? And that's totally free. So when you download that, you can either just download the tool or you can click the box that says, hey, I want the newsletter too. It's truly a no-strings-attached offer that's out there. And you just go to beyondtherut.com slash goals. What else? So there's that. Oh, an email info at beyond the rut.com. So awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. And our time is coming to a close. And so I just want to say thank you so much for, you know, just bringing all of the, all of you, because I just love, you're just, you just exude love. So I appreciate you showing up today and taking the time to be with us. And before you go, I always like to leave with this question of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Ah, I would say, of course, you already heard the Dugan family crest motto by virtue and valor. But a scripture that drives me also is Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not for man. Mm. And it's, it's always a reminder to me that, again, going to that circle of faith, that whatever I'm tasked with, whatever's in front of me, I'm not really serving that person. I'm serving God. So how I treat that person, how I respond to that person is in essence, how am I treating Jesus? And am I treating that person with dignity? Am I treating them with respect? And so that's what drives me. Mm. Yeah. Mm, Well, thank you, Jerry, for being here. It's been, it's been an honor. Thank you, Shay. I'm glad I got on. Yay. Yay. (laughs) And thank you to listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. If you enjoyed this episode, because I know you did, Jerry's a phenomenal leader, and he's clearly leading by example beyond the rut. 
And you may have even taken some notes. So please go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. Until next time, let's get fired up. Hey, don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.